Often one seemingly small ingredient in a recipe can make such a big difference in whether food tastes great or terrible. Uh, Cindy was telling me over the holidays how one additional teaspoon of cocoa and changing one, I think it was a teaspoon or a tablespoon of coconut oil for grapeseed oil made the difference... uh, made just a huge difference in this fantastic chocolate sauce that she makes for our Oreo cookie dessert. And this passage has an ingredient that might just be the missing ingredient in your life. Um, Adding this one ingredient could make a huge difference for you. And I'm, I mean that seriously. I think this is, this is an incredibly important concept that Peter addresses this morning uh, that, that often is missing and therefore leads to much, much defeat. 1 Peter 4.1 says, Since Christ suffered in his body, you too must arm yourselves with this same determination. To arm means to equip yourself with a weapon as if preparing for war. You must arm yourself like a soldier putting on his armor to protect his life in the battle. And The basic thought here is simply, it was not an easy path for Christ. If you are prepared for the same kind of life, that way of thinking will protect you like a piece of armor. You must be inwardly prepared to suffer. You will live and thrive. You will have more joy. You will find it easier to make a break with sin. You will live more victoriously in every way if you are prepared in your heart to suffer in the flesh. And the first thing that Peter focuses our attention on is the reality that Christ suffered. He begins, since Christ suffered in the body, in the flesh or in the body. Not every moment of Christ's life was suffering. He had times of great joy with his father. He had times of great joy with his friends like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, Hebrew says that God anointed him with the oil of gladness above all his companions. But Jesus did suffer much. He was ostracized. He was mocked, hated, uh, rejected by the, by the uh, spiritual leaders of his day. He was lied about. Uh, here he was, Lord and God, yet he was treated as a vile criminal. He was sinless, yet he suffered for our sins the righteous for the unrighteous. But not only did Jesus merely put up with suffering, he faced his life with that purpose. He himself said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. His suffering did not come as a shock to him. He was prepared for it. He understood it was out in front of him and he was ready for it. He was ready to absorb it. 
Luke tells us that knowing he would be killed at Jerusalem, he set his face to go there. Even as he carried the cross, he ran across some women who were weeping and he told the women along the way, do not weep for for me, but for yourselves and for your children. There was a kind kind of toughness and grit, a complete absence of self-pity that came from a preparedness or a willingness to drink the cup that the Father had given him to drink. And so Peter says, since Christ suffered in the flesh or in the human body, we should too be totally ready to suffer while we live in the flesh or in our human bodies. Uh, The ESV says, arm yourselves with this same way of thinking. The NIV, uh, which is in your bulletin, said, arm yourselves also with this same attitude or with this same approach to life. Now, just to make sure we keep the right kind of balance, uh, I want to say this. There, There is a certain kind of teaching that holds that any kind of pleasure works against spiritual growth. You know, we're not really supposed to enjoy anything. The Bible does not teach that. When I think of Psalm 84, 11, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. But we are to be ready for anything, even really hard stuff. And so I want to begin by asking you, are you prepared in your heart for things to not be easy? Or is your basic uh, disposition, I expect everything to be easy, therefore I am totally blown away when they're not. Are you prepared in your heart for things to not be easy? Are you prepared to follow Jesus even if you experience pain in so doing? Or if you experience mistreatment from others? Are you prepared to endure some great injustice if that should happen? Are you prepared in your heart that you would still walk with God even if you lost something or someone you cherish? Are you prepared for real persecution if that should happen? Or you could be cast out of your home or thrown in prison? Are you prepared that the road ahead could be hard? Are you prepared to keep your hand to the plow no matter what? And Peter says, unless we are prepared in that way, we are vulnerable to defeat. We're vulnerable to the devil. So he says, protect yourself with this attitude. I am prepared to suffer just like my Savior suffered. So how will this protect you? I'm going to share a few things that just immediately popped into my mind on this from this passage Uh, that I think have something of the Lord behind it, and then I'm also going to kind of move into what I feel like is Peter's real thrust of this passage. First, being prepared in your heart to suffer will keep you from the danger of disillusionment. And I I dare even say, actually, the sin of disillusionment. You know, I remember a vacation that I planned uh, for us to take when our kids were very little to somewhere... Down in southern Missouri, I don't even remember exactly where it was, but somehow I'd gotten a hold of some literature that 
that showed a picture of this little place down there with these little idyllic, cozy cabins right on uh, the lakefront. And so we envisioned going down there, fishing with the kids, enjoying gorgeous views of the lake. Well, when we got there, uh, the cabins were run down, dirty, uh, and there was no lake anywhere in sight. I mean, we, we couldn't see the water. Even driving anywhere we drove around the round, grounds, we, couldn't, we wondered where in the world that picture was taken from. I mean, from our cabin, we could see nothing but weeds, rocks, and dirt. Where, wherever the lake was, we couldn't see it. And it was, it was disillusioning. I mean, our, first, our, our first reaction response was just, man, this is a bummer. You know, just disillusionment. Because it had never even entered my mind that things would not just be perfect. Well, I learned from that and a few other travel experiences that vacations and traveling are... Vacations are not necessarily vacations from trouble or disappointment. And it actually has helped me to enjoy them much, much more. You know, one of the first things that, that Paul told the new believers was, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And that was, that was like 101. That, that wasn't like some advanced teaching. They say, we, we must go back through these churches, and the very first thing we must tell them is that, hey, guys, you know, through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. He set that expect, expectation right at the beginning. Secondly, if we are inwardly prepared to suffer, it protects us from excessive concern about our own lives and circumstances. It arms us against worry and anxiety and fears. Paul said, and you've heard me say this, uh, hopefully not too many times, but Paul said, I love this statement. It, it, it is, I find this a victory statement for me. Paul said, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. There was a kind of carefree attitude toward even the worst that could happen. It's like, hey guys, whether we live or whether we die... It's like it doesn't matter. We are the Lord's. Uh, Whether everything comes crashing down or not, we are the Lord's. I personally found this a great victory over worry about money, about my business, about the church, about everything in life, if I can just say that same same thing. And so I I would ask you, what what are you uh, suffering right now? Uh, Whatever it is, you are still the Lord's. You have all that really matters. Or what are, what are you tempted to live in fear of happening to you? What is it that's, create, that's causing you to live in, in this sort of darkness of anxiety? Uh, if that happened to you, would you still be the Lord's? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, you would. Uh, this isn't in my notes. Hope I don't get too far off track here. But I, I read recently about a guy that was treating people or helping people, counseling people that were having panic disorders and so forth, the first thing he would say from, okay, I want you to prepare that you're going to die right now. <laughs> and get him to face that. And then he would say, okay, if that happens, where would you be? What would happen to you? How would it all turn out? Well, they'd be with Jesus. And they would be in heaven. They would still be the Lord's. And he felt that was a key to helping people deliver, be delivered from those kind of fears and anxieties. You know, in the story of Esther... Uh, we are told that if anyone entered the king's presence uninvited, they would be or could be killed. They could be just executed on the spot for entering the king's presence without invitation. 
And we read how, how Esther, Esther, she, of course, she had an urgent request. It wasn't just some flippant uh, thing. She said, oh, I'm going to walk in the king's presence today. She had a reason for doing it. But Esther was able to go in and stand before King Xerxes because she had armed herself with this purpose of suffering. She said, if I perish, I perish. To me, that's kind of the Old Testament version of whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. If I perish, I perish. It's kind of like almost, so what? And she walked right on in. And again, I find that attitude incredibly freeing. Uh, and I, I recall one time, not to over-spiritualize this, but I call, recall one time when I was tempted to be quite worried and anxious about something up in the night, fretting about it. Uh, and, I, and I felt like, felt like the, God said something like this to me. If you will have a faith that trusts completely in me, if you will say like Esther, if I perish, I perish, if you have that kind of abandonment, and trust in me, all will be well. And I, I really feel that way, that th- there is such a, such a freedom in being, having a mind that is prepared to suffer whatever and just have that sort of attitude. If I perish, I perish. Now, when a person says, now here's, this is the opposite of living that way. Okay? If, when a person says, if I would lose this person or thing, I would totally fall apart. Something is not right about that. That is not a right way for a Christian to think. Or for, for a Christian to, to, to say, you know, if that happened to me, it would destroy me. Something is not right about that. There's something really wrong going on in your soul, in your heart, if you're thinking like that. Because when you think like that, you're unarmed. I mean, you're actually already defeated. It not only sets you up for defeat, you're living in bondage to something or someone. And you, may, you may not know it yet, but you, but you are. You're unarmed. You're unprotected. You're open to the devil. You're open to being destroyed by the enemy because you're not prepared in your heart to suffer. So when you're armed to suffer, you take... You take the power out of your suffering to wipe you out. And more importantly, you take the power out of the devil's hands to wipe you out when things are hard. But if you arm yourself with the determination, uh, the mental preparation to suffer mistreatment and loss and injustice, then you will not fall apart when it happens. Third, being prepared in your mind to suffer will keep you from the sin of self-pity. I think self-pity is probably something that most of us or many of us struggle with. And self-pity is the mentality that I deserve everything to go my way. And because this thing in my life did not go my way, then my life is terrible. It's a feeling of entitlement and the resentment that comes when you don't get all the things that you feel entitled to. Whereas if you arm yourself with the determination to lay down your life as Christ laid down his life, then you won't regard 
not getting your way as such a terrible thing. Guys, you won't resent it so much when your wife asks you to help out with the kids or to vacuum the house or to stay home from something that you want to do and do something that the family needs to do. Or wives, you won't feel so sorry for yourself if your husband had something come up at at work and and can't be with you for the evening. You develop a self-sufficiency in Christ that doesn't need so much from other people. You are living in the freedom that comes from a willingness to suffer. And it is a real freedom. Now, if you want to be free, if you want to be protected from all those things that the devil's using to defeat you, arm yourself with this purpose, with this determination. Fourth, having a mind to suffer leads to a clean, a clean break with sin in general. And this is Peter's main point. <clears throat> and I actually think the things that I just described are, are sinful. <laughs> I do. But I'm going to go in and talk in a more specific way about how having a mind to suffer leads with a, to a clean break with sin. Right after Peter says to arm yourself with this way of thinking, he says, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, or the NIV says done with sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. All right, so Peter reveals a secret here, if you will. He he reveals... Uh, a, a mystery, something, some, a, a spiritual truth that, that we need to know. It's a revelation. And that there, there is a connection between suffering or at least being prepared to suffering, being prepared to suffer and not sinning. All right, let me say that again. There's a connection between being prepared to suffer and not sinning. We sin because of an unwillingness to suffer. <clears throat> we sin because we are only prepared to do that which is easy we sin because we do not want to do what we do not want to do (laughs) we sin because we want to do what we want to do the opposite and are unwilling to suffer the pain of saying no to sinful human passions therefore Having a mind to suffer is key to ceasing from sin. Now, this does not mean that if someone has suffered, they have ceased from sin in an absolute sense. And you know, I know, I know that's worrying some of you. We're, we're so schooled against you know the doctrine of sinless perfection that as soon as the Bible says stop sinning, we 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 immediately resist that, put up our hands, say, "Oh no, no, it can't mean that." No, it does not mean that someone has ceased from sin in an absolute sense, but I would say in a substantial sense. It means that suffering has a way, it has an effect of freeing people from sinning. The ESV study note on this verse says, Peter's point 
is that when believers are willing to suffer, the nerve center of sin is severed in their lives. I'm not a fan of the Message Bible. I think this is probably the only, the only time I've ever quoted from it. But I, I thought the Message Bible, uh, it's, I, I, and my problem with it is it's just so loose sometimes, and it's, it, it's what it says. It's not a translation, but it, sometimes it's so loose in, in some passages. But in this case, I think it very clearly communicates the point in a way that might be helpful, helpful for you to understand. And that's, that's what it said. Here's what it says. Think of your suffering as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you will be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. And that that says it pretty well. The International Bible Commentary on 1 Peter emphasizes that the willingness to suffer uh, could be the world's hatred um, is, and is likely what Peter had in mind. And it says, it says this. Uh, this is a, a good, solid evangelical uh, commentator. It says, The dominion of sin is broken in, a, in practical experience because the saint who has boldly stood his ground and taken punishment for it is launched onto a plane of living where sin is easier to overcome and more difficult to fall into. I love that, uh, that, we're, that we're prepared. If, if we will boldly take a stand for Christ, and if we suffer some pain in doing that, that will help launch us onto a plane of living. A plane of living, higher ground. Lord, set my feet on higher ground. It will launch us onto a plane of living where sin is easier to overcome and more difficult to fall into. So, uh, if you would, for example, identify clearly or boldly with Christ somehow in your place of work or among your relatives and you reap some cost, you experience some cost for doing so, you're excluded or you're taunted, that will actually strengthen you in your relationship with Christ and in your battle against sin. <clears throat> I remember uh, John Stites and John apologize for not asking your permission to share this but John told me about a time where his unbelieving brother was over at their house for dinner and John probably I think at a new point in his life spiritually stopped and led the family, including his unbelieving brother there at the table, they led the family in prayer for dinner. He prayed before the meal. And after he finished praying for the meal, his, mother, his brother made some kind of smart aleck comment about, oh, I didn't know you'd become a deacon now, John, or something like that. You'll have to correct me on what it is. And I, I, rem- I remember thinking, you know, that, that was probably really good for John. It, pro- it set him, I, he identified himself with Christ suffered a little bit for it, and so it set him on a pathway of living more for Jesus and less for sin. Wayne Grudem said, Whoever has still gone on obeying God in spite of the suffering involved has made a clear break with sin. 
Another commentator I like, Alexander McLaren, said, He who is armed by suffering has shaken off the dominion of sin. So this is, this is Peter's thrust. And he's saying, this is why you want to arm yourself with this way of thinking. This does not mean that suffering automatically produces holiness in everyone. And I think actually for the unarmed Christian, for the person who is unarmed with the right attitude that Peter talks about, for the person who is unarmed, it can produce bitterness, resentment, anger, uh, distance from God, and of course self-pity and a host of other things. But for the one who has chosen, the one who has prepared themselves in their heart, in their heart, in their mind, the one who has chosen to suffer like Christ, this frame of mind gives great freedom from all kinds of sin. Now, verse 2 gives more insight on how willingness to suffer brings an end to our relationship with sinning. He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so that he might live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so that, or the NIV says, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So a person with a mind to suffer has already decided, and this is already a decision done, finished, over, a decision made, a decision reached. They're no longer uh, struggling with it. It's a decision that's already been reached. They've decided to suffer the putting to death of human passion so that they can now live for the will of God. And so, in this sense, if you are armed to suffer, or because you are armed to suffer, you can say no to human passions and instead do the will of God. I mean, that's what basically what Peter is saying. You you're arm, arm yourself to suffer because that leads to a ceasing from sin so that you can no longer live for yourself but for God, so that you can no longer live for, for evil uh, passions but for the will of God. For example, if someone has treated you like a jerk, you know, your human passions say to get back at that person, to blow up, to lose it, to fight, to yell, scream, um, plot revenge, whatever. And, and the devil tells you that you know, you're going to feel better if you do that. But for those who are armed to suffer, and those who are armed to suffer, they instead deny their, those sinful impulses and choose to do the will of God in those situations. Uh, the International Bible Commentary put it this way, Peter's challenge to us is to equip ourselves with Christ's determination to do the will of God, whatever the cost. And adopting that frame of mind is just a great protection. Live in much more victory that way. Now, you and I will experience human passions that are 
opposite to or against the will of God. And you need to come to the place where you say, I'm willing to suffer the loss of my own wishes, my own impulses, my own own passions to obey and please the Lord in all things. And so the, the, but the key, the key is this willingness to suffer because you can't do that without this. The key to spiritual victory is this total abandonment to God and his will at any cost to yourself. And this has to happen at each moment, in each situation of every day. We're ta- I, I'm, you know, I'm talking about something that's a, that's a frame of mind when you get up, when you, go, when you lie down. It's, when it, it's an, a frame of mind when the kids are good, when they're bad, when they're sick, when they're crying, when work is easy, when your job is easy, or when it is unbelievably hard and frustrating, when you feel good, when you don't feel good. We arm ourselves with a preparedness, a willingness to suffer so that we might live for the will of God in all those situations. Verse 3, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, Crousing and detestable idolatry. And I think we could add a whole lot more living in complaining, grumbling, jealousy, envy of others, judging, condemning others, and on and on. Um, and, and, and here's Peter said, uh, people who have armed themselves with this attitude to suffer, they do so so that they no longer, they don't spend the rest of their earthly lives doing those kind of things, but for the will of God. So Peter is emphasizing this, the break between our old life and our new life. And, 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 and I love this phrase, it's, you've spent enough time. <laughs> I mean, whatever, whatever time you spent, okay, whatever time you've, you spent, and I, I don't care if it was 20 years ago or, or, or last week, whatever time you've spent in lust or carousing or getting drunk or self-pity or complaining or whatever sinful human passions you have indulged in, it is enough. The time has run out. The clock has expired. The, the timer has gone off. The buzzer has rung. It's over. And I don't care you know, whether you spent decades in that kind of living or were relatively protected from that by a godly upbringing, one thing, Peter says, is for sure, you don't need any more of it. You don't need to be doing what the pagans do one second longer. You don't need to uh, be thinking like they think. You don't need to have the attitudes about life that they have. It's, Peter says, it's over. Uh, And sometimes... In our teaching, uh, which, which is true. I mean, we, we all stumble in many ways. We have not fully arrived, okay? But sometimes in our teaching, we emphasize so much that we are not yet perfect and that we, we still sin, that if we're not careful, we will miss the message in passages like this, okay? If we're not careful, we will miss the clear emphasis of the Bible that there is to be a substantial break from sin for believers in Jesus Christ. 
We just, we just aren't doing some of those things that we used to do. We just aren't having those attitudes that we used to have or that the world has. And there's, there's, of course, not to be too repetitive, but there's two phrases from this passage that communicate a pretty clear break with sin. Uh, the first is, He who has armed himself with the, person, with the purpose of suffering in the flesh has ceased from sin. And, you know, instead of brace, embracing the substantial reality of that, um, I, think, I think some of us would almost immediately run to, oh, that can't mean that. You know, you know none of us are perfect. Well, no, but we're to be substantially healed by the cross of Jesus and by following Jesus. And I've, I've, Francis Schaeffer, I've know you've, I know you've heard me say this before, but there's not perfection but it, it, there is substantial healing from sin. And the second phrase here is verse 2, so as to live the rest of the time in the, in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And I, like, I do like the NIV on that, the rest of your life. No, you are no longer to spend the rest of your time, uh, I think is the New American Standard or ESV, NIV, no longer to spend the rest of your life for the lusts of men. And, and I, I think it's unfortunate if, if, we, if we emphasize our continuing struggle with sin to such a point that we communicate that what Peter's telling us here isn't possible. Amen? Amen. Okay. Most of us need to hear... I think, okay? It's just, most of us need to hear, you can live the rest of your time in the flesh for the will of God. <laughs> That's what we're told to do. You can live the rest of your life for the will of God. By the provision of the Spirit, you can talk to your spouse and your kids according to the will of God. You can give thanks in all things, rejoice always, and pray without ceasing, which is God's will for you. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You can put away that sinful habit and live for the rest, live for God the rest of your life. And you should plan on it. Hallelujah. But you're really going to shock some people when you do that. And that's what Peter says in verse 4. They are surprised. They're surprised that you no longer join with them in the same old habits and practices and attitudes. They're surprised that you don't join with them in their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse upon you. Because they see you living in such a different way, on such a different plane, such different attitudes. They, they want to they tear you down. They, 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 they heap abuse upon you. But Peter says they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Part of your suffering that brings an end, part of your suffering that brings an end to living in sin is the suffering of being socially ostracized for not joining in the sin and sinful attitudes and crummy attitudes of the world and people around you. 
And for some people, and I think probably for some people even here, in some situations, one of the keys to breaking free from your sinful past is to be able to suffer the abuse of your old crowd of friends. You know, people hang out at bars and nightclubs and other places of sin largely because of the camaraderie, the fellowship. And unless you're willing to pay the price of breaking out of those friendships, unless you're willing to pay the price of them heaping abuse on you because you don't do those things any longer, unless you're willing to, to suffer in that way, you will never break free from the bondage of that old life and debauchery and attitudes. But I think Peter shares this as an encouragement. The, the abuse of others might become very severe, but we are not to become discouraged or to think that God is not aware of the things that people say or do to us. Verse 5, But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And I think, Peter, I think this is an encouragement. Just, you know, don't spend your life worrying about what people say about you. Don't worry about people not liking the fact that you want to live for Jesus wholeheartedly. Don't worry about those kind of things because everyone, those people included, will give an account to him. For this is why the gospel was preached, Peter goes on, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. That's New American Standard Version, which makes, is the version that makes the most sense to me of that passage. That's a difficult verse. We're not going to delve into it. If you want to come to my... Well, we're going to have a prayer meeting. If you want to come to my life group a week from Wednesday, we will do that. Okay? But... Um, it, it, you know, there's a question. Is this talking about the gospel being preached to the faithful dead of the Old Testament? Is he saying this is why the gospel was preached at the beginning to, to, in Jerusalem and all Judea, even, though, even to those who have since died? I am not going to go into all of that. Sorry to, dis, sorry to disappoint. But the, because the point is not who he was talking to, but why the gospel is preached. For this reason, the gospel is preached. Again, I like the new way the New American Standard. Not totally sure I've got this, this difficult passage totally, totally scoped out. But the point is, is not who he was talking to, but why the gospel is preached. The gospel was preached so that we may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. That's the New American Standard. The gospel was preached... So that you would live. You're going to die physically, but the gospel is preached so that you would live according, live in the Spirit according to the will of God. And so that's, that's what we're called to. That's, that's, our, that's our, our, our destiny. Our, our, that's, that's God's plan and purpose. That's our calling. So, uh, just in summary... Protect yourself. Get armed. Get armed if you're not. Protect yourself with this attitude. I am prepared to suffer just like my Savior suffered. And this will keep you from the sins of self-pity, from being easily discouraged and defeated, and many worse sins and problems. 
Uh, you know, having a mind to suffer is, is not some morbid, pessimistic outlook on life. It's, it's, a, it's a protection from the devil and leads to victorious, joyful living in Jesus that's free from all kinds of oppressions and fears and things that the devil would like to perpetrate against you. So, do you want to be armed? I, I hope you do. Um, you know, we're going to pray now, but uh, I'd like to, if anyone would, afterwards would like to come forward and be prayed for uh, about anything, we want to offer that. We want, we want to be here to pray for you, to speak speak a word to you. So uh, I'm going to hang around up here a little bit. Uh, and if somebody else would like to pray for people, you feel like you'd just love to pray for people, come up here and join me. And if anybody would like to come for prayer, uh, do that. Lord, we thank you so much that you uh, are interested in our protection in such a way that, that, you would, that you would admonish us to arm ourselves. That you, you don't want us to be defeated and you want us to be armed and so you lovingly and truthfully uh, tell us how we can arm ourselves and how it can be a protection against sin and against the devil. Lord, we thank you uh, for the revelation, for the great wisdom. God, you are so wise. You are so wise. We, we worship you for your revelation in teaching us and instructing us um, in in, in the time that we are in the body. Lord, it's, it's not an easy path. Uh, the road is, is at times a long one and it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it can be hard. But Lord, thank you that we can be prepared for all that is to come with an attitude that is very free and leads to much victory in Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, you're, you're dismissed. But, you know, if you want, if you, if, if God's really speaking to you this morning, you know, there's nothing wrong with sitting there for a couple minutes longer and just praying, you know. You can do that. We're here to meet with God. Certainly we are to love one another and meet with each other. But if, 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 if God's speaking to you, just take another moment to bow your head and sit there and let him speak to you. If you want to come up for prayer, do that. If you don't feel led to do either one of those, go fellowship, love people, Greet them. Amen. You're dismissed.